We have chosen to talk a little while this morning on a topic that we'll get to, I guess. I'm thinking about our warning signs. Most of you have warning signs on your cars. I've got one on my feed truck. Bothered me, so I put tape over it. I don't pay it no attention. I mean, that ain't what you're supposed to do, I don't think. Uh, Sean and Christy, when they was younger, Becky could shoot a warning sign with her eyes. And they knew, stop. Don't do it anymore. I called it shooting fire out of her eyes. I mean, they got that warning sign. We can have medical warning signs. You get to run in the temperature, you got a runny nose, you're coughing, you're aching. That's a warning sign, don't you know? Your chest hurts, your left arm hurts. That's a warning sign. You're probably going to go get an examination. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, it says, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. What's a reprobate? That is something that you discard. You throw away. It's rejected. So today we're going to do self-examination. Now when you're sitting there, don't examine the guy in the next row, okay? This is self-examination today. We're going to examine ourselves. Let's look at some ideas, and get this gets us to my title. Are you spiritually ill? Think about it. Have you thought about spiritually being ill? So we're going to have an examination today. I'm not going to examine you. You're not going to examine me. You're going to examine yourself. We're going to do some tests. You go to the doctor. He's going to get out his stethoscope, maybe. Uh, he's going to order a swab stuck up your nose, turned around. Uh, he's going to order different things, lab tests, x-rays, CAT scans, EKG, MRI. I mean, I can go on up. He's going to order tests, and then he's going to, come back and say, here. So we're going to go through some tests today. You're going to come back and say, I'm here. I'm ill. I'm great. What are you? So we're going to think about some things today. Uh, Brandon, every once in a while you say a good prayer. In Acts 2 and 37, you'll see why. Acts 2 and 37, and now when they had heard this, they were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They were pricked in their heart. He used that in his prayer today. On the day of Pentecost, they were pricked in their heart. What should we do? They were told to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and they should receive the Holy Ghost. 3,000 did that that day. 3,000. They was pricked in the heart about what? Peter had talked to them about Jesus and how they had crucified Jesus. Your first test today. Are you pricked in the heart? Think about it. Are you pricked in the heart when you think about Jesus? 
Okay, here we go. And we're not going to use all these verses. As we go through here, shut your eyes if you want to. I don't care. Think about these things. When you think about Jesus going into the garden and praying, he did this three times, let this cup pass from me. He prayed so hard, this sweat as great drops of blood came down on his head. Does that not bother you a little bit? He didn't want to die. Then in just a little bit, here comes Judas, kissed him, betrays him. He's arrested, he's taken away. He's before the different leaders of the land. Mock trial, false accusations. They put the scarlet robe on him, a crown on his head. They hit him with a reed. Blood trickled down, I presume. And then to me, probably the final straw is they could find nothing wrong with him. So Pilate says, who would you release? Release Barabbas. Well, what do we do with Jesus? Crucify him. That, that bothers me. Then he was scourged. I've seen pictures of a scourging whip. I don't know whether they're true or not. Had a handle on it, different strands, had sharp objects in it. And they took Jesus and stretched him over something, and they slashed, and they lashed. And these things yanked out chunks of flesh. Historians say that if they'd done it over 39 times, they would die. It would bring death. Internal organs might be exposed. Tremendous amount of blood loss, and they lashed him there. And they did this for several reasons. He wouldn't struggle when he was put on the cross. I uh, tried to find the verses where they nailed him to the cross. Couldn't find it. I found verses that Jesus told Thomas, look at the nail prints in my hand. Thrust your hand in my side. So he was nailed to the cross. Now this bothers me. They got his hand. They're nailing it at the cross. They got the other hand. Feel it? Do you feel it? They're nailing the cross. Then his feet. Does that not prick your heart, brothers and sisters? So he's hanging on the cross. He can't even bear the cross. He's so weak. One thing that I, I kind of enjoy is Pilate wrote this and put it over the cross. This is the king of the Jews. The Jews here says, no, don't do that. Put, he said he was the king of the Jews. Pilate says, I have written what I have written. Even while he's on the cross, he's mocked. He saved others. He cannot save himself. Important part today. And that is, Jesus dies. And it's for you as an individual. Sure, he died for the whole world, but it's for you. He done that for you. 
after his death, darkness, the temple is rent, the graves are opened, dead bodies are walking around. He's buried in that tomb. They guarded the tomb because they knew he was going to raise on the third day. They're going to guard that tomb, make sure it, they don't come steal the body. The angels come. The guards are just like dead men. Rolls the stone away. And then Mary and Mary Magdalene to come to check on him on the third morning. And the angel says, he's not here, he's risen. Why seek you the living among the dead? If this doesn't prick your heart, you're ill. That's the first test. Think about in Acts 8 and 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And they went on their way, and they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinders me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both in the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So my question is, why did he do this? I present to you that the eunuch was pricked in his heart when he heard about Jesus. And he was baptized. So another test. Our car, if you get too close to a vehicle, it'll stop you and it's got some red flashing lights. You're too close. So I want you to imagine in you today, if you have not been baptized, red flashing lights, warning, 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 you're critically ill. Damnation is coming. Make a note of that. If you have not been baptized, you are critically ill and damnation is coming. Get that. Next test. This one is not as harsh, okay? Revelation 2 and 2. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou can't bear them that are evil. And hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience for my name's sake, and hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. This is to the church at Ephesus. Do you remember when you was first born? When you came up out of the water, you was on what we say is on fire. I want to tell others. I want to tell others about Jesus. I want to tell my family. I want to tell my friends. I want to tell them about Jesus. Are you on fire now? Maybe you're lukewarm. I know their works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would they were cold or hot. So then because they are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Has your fire went out? That's the next test. Tell me, what is your first love? Do you remember? Mark 12 and 30, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, there is none other commandment greater than these. Are you an example of this? Does that show in your life that you love God with all your heart, mind, strength? 
Do you? Does that show? If not, that's a warning sign. Next, forsake the assemblies. Hebrews 10 and 24, And let us consider one another to provoke into love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Church assembly is not an option. It's a commandment. We're commanded to be here. It's a commandment. It's not when convenient, if everything else is okay. It's a commandment. If you don't come to the assemblies, you miss the Lord's table. That is a commandment upon the first day of the week to remember him and show his death till he comes. That is a commandment. It is a commandment that we're here. We are told when we come together, we come together for edification, from learning God's word. We come together for prayers. We come together for singing. Becky and I sang in the pickup last night, uh, driving home from a funeral. I'd like rather hear this group sing. She sings fine. We come together for togetherness. <clears throat> I love being around you folks. That was God's intention. I ask you a question. With you people that have younger kiddos, when you stay home, I don't know what uh, topic to pick. I'll pick one I don't think anybody does. You stay home to play ping pong, and you miss the church services. What does that show them? It's okay to miss the church services then, isn't it? What do you think they're going to do when they get older? They're going to miss the church services. It's important to be here. We grow from hearing the word of God. We grow from each other. How about this? This catches me. I'm sorry. In uh, 1 John 5 and 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. His commandments are not grievous. Have you ever sat there? And the guy's going on and on. He said, oh, maybe it's Sunday morning. <clears throat> David's speaking today. We've got to go to church. And then David's getting up and speaking, you say, Wrap it up, wrap it up. <laughs> Look how long you've been going. Look. Maybe you're sitting there and says, I wish that I ate breakfast. It's taking too long. I wonder if the crock pot's on. What if I didn't turn on the crock pot? Dinner's going to be cold. Did I set the TV to record the ball game? Whew, I wish I could do that on my phone. Is the service boring? Well, let me tell you this. <laughs> I know, I've done it. So okay, I'm preaching to myself. 
When you're doing that, are you worshiping? When you're worrying about the crockpot or when you're worrying about whatever you're worrying about, your mind is not worshiping. That's a sign. That's a sign. Next one. In 1 John 3 and 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and see his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Are you selfish? That's a test to ask. Family, does that take your time? Work? Oh, I've got to work. Yeah, I think you ought to work. Sports, yeah. Little Johnny might get a ping-pong scholarship, yeah. Hobbies, fish or biting. Good day. In Galatians 6 and 2, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. A little later it says in verse 10, As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to them who are the household of faith. We have elders and deacons. They ought to do that. They ought to take care of the church work. I agree. I agree. This in Galatians is not addressed to the elders and deacons. It's addressed to everybody over here. Everybody in here, everybody there, and everybody there to do that. Do you look for opportunities to help brethren? Are you too self-centered? I am busy. That's a sign of spiritual illness if you're too busy to take care of the brethren. How about this one? In Luke 8 and verse 14. And that which fell among the thorns are they which when they have heard, they go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. What is the Christian fruit? More Christians. How many Christians have you led to Christ? Have you offered to study with anybody This year, have you invited someone to church this year? Is your fruit withering up? What are the things of the world that's going to keep us from serving the Lord? Family? Work, recreation, hobbies. I mean, I could go on and on. We live in the world. It rubs off on us. 
but when the world is becomes a priority, you're spiritually ill. Think about this. In Luke 14 and 18, and they all with one consent began to make an excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, I must need go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. You know, I look at this, and I say, okay, I can't come. I've got a new investment. Uh, I've got to work. You know, the family's in. And all of this is about going to a banquet, but we can use this when serving the Lord. We've got excuses all the time. What are your priorities? Is it serving the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength? If not, a sign of spiritual illness. How about this one? I like this one. This is, this is my own words. Malnutrition. Malnutrition. First Peter 2 and 2, As newborn babes desire you the sincere work of uh, milk of the word that you may grow thereby... We all understand this. A lot of us have livestock. Maybe have animals. You go out and feed and something don't eat. They're sick. They're sick. They're off feed. They're sick. I promise you. Something's matter. Are you starving yourself to death? Are you a starving Christian? In John 5 and 39, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. 2 Timothy 2 and 15, show thyself to be approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This, again, is a commandment. <clears throat> it's not when we have time. It's not when we want to. We are commanded to study. One, if you're going to have fruit and lead people to Christ, you need to know the Word. You need to know what to tell them to do, right? That makes sense. That's pretty simple. Two, those of you that are parents, grandparents, you need to be reading to the children, reading the Word of God. There's something really, really special about the Bible. I think there's a miracle in it every time you read it. I've read the Bible for a few years, okay? Every time we read it, there'll something pop out. There's something the other day, and I told Becky, I said, whoa, let's read that again. God will put that in your heart, put it in your head. When you read the Bible, there's a miracle waiting, but you've got to open the book. Are you starving? Pray without ceasing. Anybody here do that? Philippians 4 and 6. Be careful in nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. You know, uh, what if 
you never communicated with your employer. Those of you that are employed, you just never communicate. You never send an email. You never talk to them. You never send a letter. You just... Would he think he is working? Would you get fired? All right, another sign of spiritual illness is when we do not study and we do not pray. So think about that. All right. Failing to seek a cure is a problem too. If you know you got a problem, don't do nothing about it. That's that is done no good. James 4 and 17, Therefore to him knoweth to do good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. Here's a medical exam. It's written in Greek. No, not really. Uh, chlorine, sodium, potassium, some words I can't say, cholesterol, I don't know. You know, I, I got an MRI once. And it said that I had fluid on my hip, that I had torn something, and that I needed to see an orthopedic surgeon. So I go in to see him, and he says, you need a total hip replacement. I says, never mind. I kind of think I look cool using a walker and getting blisters on my hands. Bye. No, I didn't say that. I says, when? When can we do this? He said, 90 days. I said, what? Put me on a standby list. And he said, no, there's reasons here. And I I got to have something. You know, I, I was pretty adamant about I needed help. But I wanted the cure. I wanted it soon. Let's look at yours. Think about how you've come out this morning. Thinking about Jesus, does that prick your heart? First love? Are you lukewarm? Forsake the assemblies. What's your attendance record? I, I'm not saying when you're sick to come, but are you going to get a gold star? Like I got an attendance record in school once. Are you concerned about your brothers and sisters? Things of the world, is that your priorities? Could you study more, pray more? I'm going to say absolutely. You know you have a problem and won't repent, do nothing about it? Jesus tells us in John 3 and 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. One more question. Do you? Do you believe only on Jesus Christ? That's important. Let me tell you this. I've talked about all these problems Jesus is the cure. I've told you about the problems. Here's a way to solve the problems, okay? This makes it better. 
In Mark 16 and 16, he that believeth is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Now, if you're taking notes, get this. Remember that. This is the word of God, not mine. Everybody get that. That's important. Your eternity depends on it. We're going to offer invitation here in just a little bit. If you haven't been baptized, we've got everything to do it. If you have been baptized and you don't know if you repented, you don't know if you've done it properly, let's do it again. Your eternity depends on it. I had to do this. I was young when I... I don't know whether they repented. I don't know what happened. Let's make for sure. Your eternity depends on it. In James 5 and 6, it says, Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <clears throat> to the Christians, we are given second chances. You can be baptized and then become worldly or whatever, become lukewarm. You can come and we'll pray with you and for you. And you start anew. I've had numerous second chances. God is the answer. Jesus is the answer. We have a cure for your illness. Mark 2 and 17, when Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. He has the cure. There's one thing left to do, is take a step in the aisle and come forward. He will cure you. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.